0: Peter chapter number three I want to um, use a lot of verses here this evening so I'm gonna ask you to turn to several verses and may ask for some help just um, getting there so that we um, get there quickly and if you're not wanting to turn to all these if you're taking notes just write these down and you can go back and uh, follow up with these but there's several several here this evening that uh, I want to cross-reference with here in 1st Peter chapter 3. I want to study beginning in verse number 8 and uh, a prayer to get down through verse number 17 here this evening. Peter in the middle of this book he comes into the issue of relationships with people. And these are all relationships that actually begin to cause conflict or sorrow remember the the look the the purpose of 1st Peter is he's addressing the, the the believer with how to handle sorrow in their life relationships bring sorrow and we're gonna look at some of that this evening and how to deal with that but He talked about the relationship with government the government at that time here was causing great persecution and many of these believers were scattered because of their faith in Christ there was persecution that was coming and it caused them to have to leave what they were comfortable with and be scattered for fear of persecution and God used that to uh, uh, be a witness to all of the areas that these believers would go to but it took persecution to do this and so we find government and then in moving and, and, and uh, uh, having them to find work to support their families, many of them would begin to work for someone they didn't know, maybe, maybe in a household type environment. And then he addresses how to deal with your masters or those that are, are, are your employers knowing this. And he says, some are gonna treat you well, some others are not gonna treat you well, but you are responsible to behave accordingly so that Christ is seen in you. And so he goes through these relationships we get to chapter number three as we looked at last week he talks about the marriage relationship the marriage between a wife the wife whose husband isn't saved or whose husband isn't following after the Lord and how does she deal with the conflict Then that that comes the same with the husband deals with the, the husband then we get into verse number eight finally finally he says be all of one mind. Isn't it something he says finally right in the middle. He's not even finished halfway through the book yet. And he says finally, he's like a Baptist preacher, you know, finally. And he still has a long ways to go. <laughs> finally, be all of one mind. Having compassion one of another, love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessings. Knowing that ye are thereunto called call that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and sue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers: but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I want you to just put a mark. We're going to we're going to really dive into that specific verse here this evening, especially the last half of that verse. It's an interesting and I wanna I want you just to circle, make a note and, and, and we're gonna come back to that verse. And who and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that, whereas they uh, speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ or your good lifestyle, the way you behave, the example that you set. For it is better, If the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing then for evil doing and so he addresses these relationships that cause the believer hurt how many of you have ever been hurt because of a relationship all of us somebody's hurt us it may be it may be the government it may be your boss it may be your spouse but in in every situation probably every person in this room could say I've been hurt In Peter the whole purpose of this book is to assure the believer that you're going to go through suffering and when you do there is a right way to handle it to respond so we come to this portion of scripture after he talks about all the all the relationships that could hurt you and how to respond to that he says finally be of one mind. And Peter brings up relationships and he brings up how to deal with them through sorrow and how to deal with them when the giver, how to deal with the giver of your sorrow. Everyone here has had sorrow in their life and they can point back to probably a specific person who's brought sorrow in their life. And Peter is going to show us here. He's helping the believer that's in Christ to behave like. Christ now I asked you and I will you I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one but I asked how many of you ever been been hurt or sorrow brought to your life because of a relationship mostly everyone if not everyone raise their hand how did you behave when that sorrow came would someone say you behaved like Christ did you handle it the way Christ would handle that sorrow and Peter is after that in the believer. He's, he's going to help us understand that when sorrow comes, how do you deal with it so that Christ is seen? And that's the key. That's the key all throughout this book. And specifically here in this, these 10 or so verses that we'll study, how are we to behave so that when we behave, Christ is seen? No matter the action against you, the reaction from you should show christ no no matter what the action against you is the reaction you have ought to show christ so no matter what somebody does to you have you ever blamed someone for your reaction that's wrong my wife and i were in a went to i took her to lunch was it yesterday i took you to lunch yeah, it was yesterday. So I, I said to my wife, I said, "Let's go, let's go over here, and I'm going to take you to lunch." She's trying to make me eat healthy, and so I find a, a nice salad place to eat a lunch. So we go into this restaurant, and it's not crowded, it's not busy at all, and the the it's one of those where you have to wait till they seat you. So we're standing there, and the lady comes over, and she says. I mean, she, she wherever you want to sit, you can sit. And she did one of those. Wherever you want to sit, you can sit. And there was this huge window that looked outside. And I saw my wife, she's looking over that restaurant. And she sees this, win, this, this table next to this window. And she says, just like this, I'll sit at that one. And just like that she did, I'll sit at that one. And so I said, that's a great view. And so I'm walking, and as we're getting close to that table, the waitress says, "Uh-uh, I've got too many tables. You're going to have to go sit over there. And she did just like that over there. It was even in a different room. And so I, I look at my wife. She looks at me. The hostess looks at it, the both of us. And the waitress is just shaking her head like, not here. You're not sitting here. So we all just kind of turned and we're walking back and I say to that hostess, what kind of place is this? You you guys need to get your act together. That is rude. You know what, if I ever came in again I wouldn't want her to be my waitress. Matter of fact, no, I do want her to be my waitress and I just wouldn't tip her. And I mean, I went on and on and on. The whole time this, this poor little hostess as she's taking us to our table and my wife is just shaking her head and I'm getting like more and more emboldened I'm like this is good I'm on a I'm on a roll here and I said you probably should tell why would you even hire someone like that now I had every right to do this because this lady was rude to me she offended me I had every right to treat her this way because of her action to me right you agree with me I sit down at the table and I thought my wife was gonna say thanks for defending me but she said, I think you're supposed to be Christ like And I said that but that was your table, the one you wanted. And she says, We're supposed to be like Christ. And I sat there and I thought, Oh, I hate it when she's right. <sighs> I messed up. I messed up because It doesn't matter the action against me. My reaction should always be Christ-like. It was the worst lunch I've ever had. I sat there, I ate crow the entire lunch is what I had for lunch. (laughs) My wife is sitting there shaking her head, pulling out her Bible, showing me verses. (laughs) And it was like the Holy Spirit just smote me and said, Christlike. it doesn't matter someone's action towards you your reaction should always be Christ like how many times do you justify your un like action because they did this I mean I would have been able to have a great lunch sat where I wanted to sit but she messed it all up so she deserved anything that came her way no. do you know when somebody what Peter's gonna show us here this evening when someone responds to you incorrectly your response as a Christian it ought to be correct every time and so as we as we consider that this evening the reaction to sorrow or the reaction to persecution or the reaction to suffering is is evidence of your changed life in Christ now that I'm a believer in Christ, how I respond, how I respond to suffering or persecution or or when someone mistreats me, how I respond should show that I have a changed re, a relationship with Christ. Steve, if you'll help me out, if you'll go to Second Corinthians five seventeen, Brother Steck, could you go to Galatians six fifteen? We're going to go to Second Corinthians five seventeen. 2 Corinthians 5:17, And when you get there, why don't you read that nice and loud for us? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a in... different. Paul tells the church in at Corinth this he says once you're saved all things pass away behold all things become new so how you deal with suffering now is different than how you would deal with it before how you deal with persecution now is different than you would before how you deal with someone that hurts you someone that causes sorrow in your life it's different now what makes it different you're a new creature new creatures don't deal with things the way they used to deal with so when sorrow comes the evidence in our life that we're a believer is how we deal with that sorrow when it comes or how we deal with that persecution when it comes remember these that Peter is talking to they're saved they're newly saved they're, they're believers in Christ and they're now going through persecution because they're saved how would you have handled that persecution before well I'd go beat them up all right? Or oh, I'd go tell them what I think, or I would embarrass them, or I would I would tell them how I feel. And what Peter is showing us, that's the way you used to deal with things. Now we deal with things differently because we're a new creature. How does that new creature deal with sorrow, Brother Steck? If you'll read Galatians. But a new creature. He says this in Christ, circumcision or uncircumcision. What is that? The outward. You know what happens so many times when somebody gets saved? What we're concerned about is the outward. What matters is what's taking place on the inside. Yes, what takes place on the inside should affect what takes place on the outside. But the new creature that begins in the inside, and that becomes how you think. That becomes how you react to things. That's how you how you deal with hurt how you deal with sorrow how you deal with pain and now that we're a new creature in Christ the evidence of us being a new creature is how we deal with this when it comes so what Peter is doing he's teaching these believers he's teaching us that are studying this book the way you behave because of Christ's redemptive work in our life because of who Christ is I'm different I'm different now You say I, I'm a lot like my dad How many of you say you're a lot like your mom or your dad or your grandfather or somebody in your family? How many of you say you're a lot like them? I do that because my parents used to do that or my grandparents used to do that. You know what we're gonna find out here. That's not an excuse. I should say I do this because of my life in Christ I behave this way because of I'm a new creature I behave this way because of what Christ did on the cross and what he's done for me and so we're gonna find I'm gonna look at three things here this evening I'm gonna give you three points prayerfully this evening And number one I want you to write this down we're gonna find here this evening the change Christ makes in you we're gonna study and Peter's gonna show us the change that Christ makes in you when you got saved you got eternal life but you got the holy spirit of god now that indwells inside of you and a new creature you're a changed person we didn't just turn over a new leaf we're a new person in christ we're a new creature in christ this change it's not produced by sorrow but this change in us it's revealed when we go through sorrow sorrow doesn't make us a new person salvation does what happens is while we go through sorrow or while we go through suffering it's revealed who we are how we behave and so we're gonna look this evening first we're gonna look at the change that Christ makes in us he says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love his brother, and be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessings, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. I want you to write this down, A, underneath of our first point, the change Christ makes in you is this, you are changed to Christ, not others changed to you. How many of you would think life would be much better if everyone thought like you thought? In any conflict or sorrow or, or situation in your life, if everyone would just see it your way, wouldn't life be better? Tell me you haven't said that before. Oh, I just wish they'd see it my way. What Peter's gonna show us here that our new life in Christ it's not about others changing to me or if I could just get my employer just go through the list of relationships that he has given us it isn't if I could just get my spouse to see it my way or my employer to see it my way or somebody that has rule over me if I could just get them to see it my way that doesn't bring unity the one mind isn't our mind the one mind is Christ The goal ought to be is for us to see it Christ's way. See his mind in the matter, not when everyone had to see it our way. Do you know if everyone agreed with you on everything, you'd be wrong a lot. But God, his word is truth. Unity comes only when truth is consistent. The only way to bring consistent truth in your life is not to always be right and everyone agree with you. The only way to have consistent truth in your life is that your mind is established on God's word. And now your mind is in unity with Christ. And that's what Peter's showing us here. I can be in one mind if that mind is the mind of Christ. Someone else help me. Would you help me with Romans? You have your Bible? Borrow one, yeah. Yeah, borrow his. This isn't in Chinese or anything, is it? You can read it? Okay. Romans 15, 5. Um, Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. You mind helping me tell? I'll get you you the next one. Um, Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, and verse number 32 as well, Alan, if you'll go there. So Romans 15, 5. Ephesians four, two and three in verse number 32 as well of Ephesians chapter four, I want to have Christ mind. The change that Christ makes in me, that change is a change to Christ, not change to where everyone thinks like me. Let's look at Romans 15:5.: Now God grant you to One,, According to who? According to Christ Jesus the only way that we can be like-minded is according to Christ Jesus according to Christ let's look at Ephesians chapter number 4 2 & 3 and then verse number 32 as well Alan hold on hold on right there start again say say this again everyone get this with all what lowliness and meekness and long suffering okay Here we go. Pay close attention. Even God, for sake, has you. The example is Christ. Verse number 32. You got 32? You got 32. The kind once to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has uh, forgiven you. So Paul is writing in uh, here to the Church of Ephesus we find in the book of Romans and what do we find the common thing as it talks about how we deal with each other in one mind in one accord how do we love it always points back to Christ Christ being in you it's all about Christ the only way that there's unity is when our mind is upon Christ you can't have you can't respond in your flesh you can't respond because it aggravated you you can't respond the way you old man used to respond because we're not in our old nature any longer we're a new creature and that new creature his mind is stayed upon Christ and so Peter is telling us here right in the middle of chapter number three he's talking about those relationships he reminds us this the change that Christ makes in us I can respond I can have one mind I can have compassion I can have uh, uh, love the brother and I could be uh, uh, courteous I could respond the right way when my mind is stayed upon Christ Listen, Christian you cannot you cannot live the victorious Christian life absent from God's Word that's why it's so important that we get into God's Word and we study God's Word sometimes you know we read the Bible we are in the Word of God and, and we might not feel like we're getting everything and understanding everything but what it is it's a filter your life is being poured through that filter and it's filtering out some things that you don't even realize is there it's taking away the, the things that, that would corrupt you. It's taking away the, the, the reaction that you might have in your flesh. I don't like to tell on myself, but it, I guess for your sake it's better me do that than tell on you. But how I responded yesterday, it was sinful. We'll call it what it is. I didn't cuss at her. I didn't call her names but how I responded was not in Christ you know what happened when I responded that way it was difficult for my wife and I to have fellowship because my wife knew I was in my flesh and I could sit and argue this is why do you know what she did do you know why Th- this is all the reasons why but all of that is because I wasn't in the right spirit I was not building my life upon truth at that mo- moment Christ was not the center I was in my flesh and I didn't like how someone responded to me Peter is showing us this the changed the change that Christ makes in you, it ought to be evident. It's not about someone understanding me. It's not about somebody understanding what I want. It's about me having the mind of Christ in every situation that brings conflict or sorrow or persecution to my life. This is how we treat others when they've added sorrow to my life. How do you treat someone that has added sorrow to your life? everyone here has had someone add sorrow and some have had people add great sorrow and Peter is saying when that happens there is a proper way for the believer to respond how can I respond that way because of Christ in me I don't have to answer for someone that responds incorrectly I have to answer for me and taking these verses in its context, he's, he's, he's not speaking about those that treat me good. It's easy. It's easy to, to be of one mind, have compassion of one, of one for another, love his brother. It's easy to be courteous when somebody treats you well. How many of you walked up to a, 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 someone, a waitress or somebody that was checking you out at the grocery store and they were polite and they were kind and they laughed and they smiled, and your response to them was you were polite and you were kind and you laughed and you smiled, and you thought they were so nice. How many of you ever walked up to somebody that wasn't nice? How did you respond to that person? See he's going through relationships he's saying this in the end of chapter number two when the government is against you you've got to deal with them correctly when your employers against you you've got to deal with them correctly when your wife when wives when your husbands are not saved and your husbands aren't right with the Lord and they're not in favor of you doing what what Christ would have you to do there's a proper way to respond husband's you've got to respond to your wife correctly and finally finally when you get through all of these relationships you've got to handle yourself correctly because there's going to be people that aren't kind to you. And them not being kind is not an excuse for you to behave like them. I'm kind, I'm courteous, I love even those who aren't lovable. Even those that aren't kind to me. My reaction to someone is not based upon their action to me. My reaction to someone is based upon Christ living inside of me. Do you see the difference? If my reaction is always based upon how you treat me, then if you're nice, I'm nice. If you're mean, I'm mean. Peter says, no, it can't be that way. I've got to be consistent because who lives inside of me? And so, taking these verses in context, he's speaking to those that have been mistreated. And so you might say this, if they would just see it my way. No. It's if I would just see it Christ's way. That's the right way to say it. How many of you ever said, if they just see it my way, things would get better? No. If I would see it Christ's way things would be better all right so number one the change Christ makes in you we see first of all you're changed to Christ not others change you second of all under this change is this verse number nine the Bible says not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrawise blessings knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing you respond letter B you respond like Christ not how others respond to you Verses 9 is saying, You respond like Christ, not like others respond to you. You see that? He says this not rendering evil for evil. Somebody does me evil, I can't do evil back. I got to show them Christ. That's hard. Not railing for railing. When someone rails on me, the, the, the old nature says this rail back on them. No, the Bible says this not. But rather Christ all right who will help me with some verses here Ralph Matthew 544 Tom do you have your hand up thank you uh, Romans 12:17. somebody else I don't want to call it brother first uh, Thessalonians 515 all right uh, Matthew 544 is our first passage Romans 12 17 in 1st Thessalonians 5 15 you respond like Christ not how others respond to you again let's look at verse number 9 not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrawise blessings all right let's look at Matthew chapter number 5 verse 44 what does what does Christ say nice and loud what's he say love your enemies Pray for those that love you. It's not what it's not what your says. What's it say? Those that what persecute you, those that do you wrong. You're supposed to do what, Ralph? Pray. You're supposed to love your enemies. Supposed to pray for those that do wrong against you. So you respond like Christ, not how others respond to you. Romans twelve seventeen. Who had that? Yes. Never think that evil. So you don't pay back evil, all right? Who do I have? Here, brother. um, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Do you see what, do you see the theme throughout here? Here Christ is saying you're supposed to love those that hate you or love your enemies. You're supposed to pray for them persecute you you're not supposed to render evil for evil Paul says to to the church here in uh, first Thessalonians you're not supposed to render evil for evil we find in Romans we're not supposed to render evil for evil we're finding this that the Christian walk is not how I can get back at someone that's hurt me what does he say to do now this is what we can come into a trap that this is not healthy as a Christian Because I know I'm not supposed to render evil for evil. How many of you know that? I know I'm not supposed to get back at somebody. How many of you ever want to get back at somebody that's hurt you? Both hands up, right? Even a foot. I mean, yeah. But I'm saved. I'm a believer in Christ. So you know what I know? I can't. So you know what I'll do? I'll ignore him. That's what I'll do. I just won't talk to him. I'm not rendering evil for evil I'm not I'm not I'm not recompensing evil for evil I'm not trying to get back I'm not trying to have vengeance for someone that has wronged me and so what's the best thing to do in order for me not to you know what I'll do I'll just pretend they don't exist and you have ever done that guess what it's not biblical Christ in you, you know how you behave? I have to bless them. It's easier to just ignore them. It's easy to wipe them out. It's easy just to say, you know what, they don't exist. I'm going to pretend they're not there. But Peter says this, no, 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 contrawise, you know what? Opposite. He says, don't render evil for evil. Don't, 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 don't try to get vengeance. Don't, don't go back and try to repay them. He says, you got to go bless them. Christian thing to do is to bless someone That's hurt you That's hard I Can't do that in my own strength But I'm not operating that's the joy of this I'm not operating in my own strength by Christ living in me I don't have to depend upon my own strength. I don't have to depend upon what I can do because I can't when somebody won't even give me the table I want I got to tell them what I how I feel you know what I have to do that lady didn't wait on me I can either just walk away I'm not gonna say anything I'm just gonna walk away and pretend she doesn't exist or I can tip her for the meal she didn't even serve me how crazy is that but I'm supposed to be an example of Christ what did Christ say on the cross father forgive them He, he said forgive the one that plucked my beard out he said he said forgive the one that like smacked me in the face Forgive the soldier that put the nails in my hands. Forgive the, forgive the one that cursed me. Forgive the one that, that put that crown of thorns on my head. Forgive the ones that, that took that, took that uh, uh, whip and just whipped my back. Forgive those. We're not supposed to just, I'm not going to render evil for evil. I, you know what, I just won't say anything. No, I'm supposed to say something. You know what I'm supposed to say? Bless you. that's hard but that's the difference Christ makes in a believer that's the evidence that's shown when somebody responds to me with sorrow somebody responds to me with persecution I want to give them evil but I'm not because I'm saved so I just won't give them anything and Peter says no give him a blessing could you imagine what would happen in your life if you sought to go back and bless everyone that's hurt you Whew. that's hard Peter says though well, that's the way we're supposed to do it he says contrawise that means opposite that means the difference don't render them evil for evil don't rail on them if they rail on you but blessings knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing what blessings he talking about salvation in christ it's what i inherit i've inherited something that i don't deserve well they don't deserve they don't deserve for me to bless them because of what they've done do you know how bad that person has hurt me do you know how bad you've hurt Christ and Christ still has given you a blessing do you know what that person has done do you know what we've done to Christ and Christ says I go to prepare a place for you there's a mansion waiting for you in glory because of Christ's forgiveness well isn't that something could you imagine what life would be like for us if that's the way we responded to persecution, to sorrow, to suffering? To Christian, that's the way, that's the way a Christian ought to respond. Number, letter C. Verse number 10, look at me, look with me here. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. In his lips that they speak no guile let him eschew evil and do good let him seek peace and ensue it now look at the the wordage here the verbiage here of verse number 10 for he that will love life and see good days peter's saying this the person that loves life the person that sees good days is a person that acts like we just see he's saying this you ever look at life man I can't stay in life do you ever do you ever meet the person that there's always drama I mean there's always drama and, and everybody's wrong and nobody's right except them there's always drama and life is so hard and life is so miserable I like to be around people I say life is good What makes a person have joy in life? What makes a person enjoy living? What makes a person see good days? What makes a person do that? Refrain, how do I have a good life? How do I love my life? How do I see good days? I must refrain, refrain my tongue from evil. Evil can't come out of these lips the Christian who constantly speaks evil is not going to enjoy their life. And Christ says, I've come to give you a life that you can enjoy. We as Christians, we ought to enjoy life in Christ because we're saved. I don't have to respond in my flesh any longer. I don't have to be yielded to addictions. I don't have strongholds that have hold me down. I now am free in Christ. I've got Christ inside of me. I don't have to respond evil for evil and, 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 and rendering uh, evil for or speaking back to someone as they speak to me I can let that go and be a blessing to somebody and I can then enjoy life Christians don't have to live a miserable life on this earth sorrow isn't what causes a Christian misery it's how the Christian responds to sorrow is what causes a Christian misery that person did this to me that doesn't cause me misery what causes me misery is what I do to that person truth is there's been many a nights I have laid my head down and I have slept knowing somebody doesn't like me there's been many a nights that I have not slept knowing how I responded to someone incorrectly so it ought to keep a Christian up when somebody didn't treat you right and you then didn't treat them right that ought to bother a Christian that ought to keep a Christian up it ought to cause a Christian to say as according to verse number 10 no wonder there's no joy no wonder there's no good days is because there's evil on my lips his lips that they speak no guile let him eschew evil or or escape from evil and do good let him seek peace and ensue it Letter see your joy in life is seen through Christ not your season of sorrow in this world my joy is seen through Christ not dependent upon my season of sorrow or my journey of suffering in my journey of suffering I can have joy because my joy is found in him I'm gonna skip this last part just because I am need to be done. Ver, uh, number two, write this down, verse number 12 and verse number 13. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? You know what he does right in the middle of this, this chapter here. Number two, I want you to write this down. He, he shows us, it gives us a needed reminder of Christ. In my sorrow I might start to determine what's fair and what's not fair life's not fair who's to say life's not fair you know what I find in verse number 12 for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous you know that means he's always there he's always there how can life not be fair if Christ is always there he says this as well he's constantly listening and his ears are open unto their prayers he hears my prayers so this is verse number 12 take this take this verse and let's let's just dissect this verse and we'll be finished here this evening he says this I, my eyes are open to the righteous my ears are open to their prayers what makes them righteous taking everything in context here what makes that person righteous how they responded to the sorrow Right, that what makes the person righteous would be this: Did they, were they, did they render evil for evil? Did they, are they of one mind, having compassion one of another, love his brother, and not rendering evil for evil, not not railings for railings? that I bless those that? So when what what he's saying in verse number twelve: God sees you when you respond as a believer the way you're supposed to respond. God sees you. Don't worry, He's there. Don't worry, He hears your prayer. When someone when when the government when your employee when the wife when the husband when they're not treating you when a relationship is not treating you the way they're supposed to treat you and you respond righteously and you respond correctly and you allow the the Spirit of God to control you don't worry Christ is present and he hears you don't you like to know God hears your prayers now this verse there's the righteous that's who that's me but what makes me righteous isn't the fact I'm going through persecution or going through suffering what makes me righteous is how I'm dealing with it as I'm going through it so if we look at verse number 12 we say this God hears my prayers God's with me and God is against you right because the person doing it to me is evil right verse number 12 But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil no listen now verse number 12 is showing God's response to you by how you choose to deal with those that bring suffering to you we see verse number 12 we say I'm the righteous one so God's for me you're doing bad so you're the evil one God's against you see the verse says it right here You know who verse verse 12 is talking about? You, the believer. He says this, when those in these relationships are bringing suffering, when they are the giver of suffering, and you respond correctly, God hears you, God sees you, and God hears you, he's going to bless you. But if you don't respond correctly, God knows it as well. See, look at the couple verses up there. He says, don't don't render evil for evil. When you render evil for evil, when you become, start acting in a a foolish way, in an evil way, look what happens. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He's not going to bless the Christian that says, I'm going to behave like I want to behave. I'm going to respond like I want to respond. That person's hurt me, so I have every right to hurt them. No, what he says is this. He doesn't bless that. He blesses the Christian that says that I am going to deal with them correctly. I'm going to love those that have hurt me. I'm going to deal with those correctly that have have, have not dealt correctly with me. I'm going to respond in a Christ-like way. Lord hears that, he blesses you. But do evil. We justify doing evil because of what they've done to us. And Peter's saying, no, you can't justify it. God knows when your heart's not right. God sees when you do well, and He also sees when you don't. And there is no excuse. Peter gives no excuse for a child of God to behave any other way than like Christ. She didn't let me sit where I wanted to sit. She deserved what she got wrong. You know who's wrong there? I am. I say in my wrongness, no, she's the evil one because she did this against me. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You're the one that's doing evil because of how you dealt with them. Let me wrap this up. You know what God expects from his children? To be Christ like. There's no excuses. He takes every excuse away here. Well, my wife, she, so therefore I and Christ says, nope. Doesn't matter what she does. That's never an excuse for me to behave anything other than like Christ. Because what's going to win her is by me showing Christ. You know how hard it is to walk up to a lady. When you acted like a jerk and give him a track and talk to him about the Lord you know how hard it is what's more important their soul or me getting my way see this is a book about suffering he says Christian you're gonna suffer but this is deeper than suffering. This is about Christian. How do you respond when you suffer? Because that's what God's after. Every single person in this room is going to be hurt. Every single person in this room is going to go through suffering. Somebody in your life, in your relationship, close to you, is going to bring you suffering. How are you going to respond? Peter says. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Do I want my prayers answered? Or do I want God to be against my actions?